1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts.
0: Real love is
2: calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. They couple the ministry of the Word with prayer. They said, look, listen, our most important thing is we got to be praying And we have to be teaching the word of God. So what you're saying here is legitimate, but we're going to need to choose some people in order to meet this legitimate need. So they begin to choose uh, what they instruct them to do here is to choose. Originally, the first group of deacons were seven men. And here was their qualifications who were full of the spirit and wisdom.
1: Have you ever wondered why church leadership is often designed the way that it is? In today's message, Pastor Gary will teach listeners about the forming of support roles within the early church, including the qualifications God was looking for. The Lord uses many kinds of people with different talents, but to serve in ministry, His call is simple—to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Do you desire to be more involved in ministry? Ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit and wisdom so you can be fully equipped. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 6 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: In Acts chapter 6, I'm going to read uh, the first section from verses 1 through 7. And we're going to see here the introduction of the ministry of the deacons, the deacon ministry. So chapter 6 verse 1 says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. All right, so in this first section here, again, the church is relatively young. It is only a few years old since Jesus has returned, ascended back into heaven. And they've run into their first challenge of how to properly manage and care for the growing church. Now, back in chapter 4, it tells us that the church had grown to about 5,000. In chapter 5, it just becomes vague, and it isn't numbered again after chapter 4. Chapter 5 just says many more men and women came to faith. And so at the time we get here to chapter 6, the church is somewhere, well, even verse 1 begins by saying, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing and disciples small d, we're talking about all the followers of Christ now. The church, the New Testament church probably numbers somewhere around eight to ten thousand or more. And when you get to be a a large, uh, you know, church like that, you have the tendency to start to uh, inadvertently, unintentionally overlook the needs of people. Because, you know, that's one of the downsides of a larger church. The larger church gets, it's easy for people to fall through the cracks, so to speak. You know, one of the benefits of a small church is that everybody kind of knows each other and when somebody's missing from church, you can call them and say, hey, notice you were missing, how you doing? Oh, I've been sick, oh, well, I didn't know that. Well, let me come and bring you a meal. And so that kind of, you know, a more intimacy of a smaller congregation allows for, you know, Better opportunity to know who's there, who's not there, who's who's had a death in the family, who's had a baby, who's all, all these kind of things. When you start getting into ten thousand people, it's easy for some people to get overlooked, and that's that's. So this is the first challenge that the early church is facing here. And it says that the Grecian Jews; these are Jews from Greek, from Greece. They come here in Jerusalem, and they they complain that their own widows are being overlooked now the NIV, the niv says being overlooked in the daily distribution of food if you have a king james bible it says they're being overlooked in the daily ministration it is a greek word the greek word here is diakonia d-i-a-k-o-n-i-a diakonia and it is where we get our english word deacon now, how many of you have been uh, who are familiar with the term deacon, like in churches, the, the term deacon? Okay, so uh, many of you are, most of you are. Uh, the idea about deacons uh, were the the ministry of deacons emerged from this story here in Acts chapter six. I my personal opinion is though that in in some churches the ministry of deacons has taken on something that it was never intended to be. Like, for example, in some churches, uh, the idea of the deacon ministry is, uh, is something that is often a governing body. Uh, in some churches, your deacons are your governing body. It's, it, you know, your deacons run the church. The deacons never ran the church, they never ran anything. They were lay leaders who stepped up to help meet a need. So, for you note takers, here's the basic background behind the deacon ministry it was born out of two desires. The first desire was to care for people who were being overlooked as the church grew. That's the first main desire. They realized there's some people here that are, that are, you know, falling through the cracks. The the widows in particular, they're not, they're not getting uh, their, their daily distribution of food. We're not taking care of them. We're not ministering to them. That's ministration in the King James Bible. And then the deacon ministry was also born out, number two, of a desire to keep the ministry of the word and prayer the priority of the church. The ministry of the word of God and prayer is to be always the priority of the church. So when the Grecian Jews come to the 12, verse 2 refers to them as the 12, capital T, all right? Because this is, this is a reference to the original group of the 12 apostles. Now they're, they're minus Judas at this point. And they're plus Matthias at this point, who is not mentioned again anywhere else in the Bible or in church history, by the way. So, you know, who knows whether Paul is really supposed to be the 12th. But anyway, the 12th man, the 12, they come to the 12. And when the 12 hear this, they recognize it's legitimate, that their complaint is legitimate. But they also say, but we can't take care of these widows ourselves because we don't want to, notice again verse 2, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And that phrase, to wait on tables, is, is the verb form of diaconia. It's now diaconeo, diaconeo, meaning, you know, there's a lot of ministry that needs to take place. There's some people who have needs, and, and we need to attend to those needs. But the 12 said, but we cannot neglect the ministry of the word of God. Teaching the Bible and making sure that the church is built upon the foundation of the Word of God is absolutely paramount. Listen, every other ministry should flow out of the ministry of the Word of God. Everything in a local church should emanate from, should flow out of, a healthy teaching of the word of God. That is why it is such priority here at Cornerstone. And we have a ton of ministries at our church, but we don't exercise and involve ourselves in those ministries to the neglect of the word of God. The word of God always has to go forth first. Why? Because it's the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What changes a person's heart? It is not because a church offers a lot of ministries. What changes a person's heart is because they hear the word of God and the power of the word of God does a good miraculous work in the heart of a person and they respond to the gospel, they respond to the word of God, their lives are changed and people get saved. When you start putting the Bible on a shelf and then just having a bunch of activities in a church, it makes the church nothing more than a country club. Just a place where people can come and socialize and fellowship and have a cup of coffee and get to meet each other, which is an important component, the idea of fellowship and getting to meet each other and making friends, but never to the exclusion or neglect of the word of God. And further down in verse uh, four, the, the, the 12 apostles reiterate it. They say, and, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So they, they couple the ministry of the word with prayer. They said, look, listen, our most important thing is we got to be praying and we have to be teaching the word of God. So what you're saying here is legitimate, but we're going to need to choose some people in order to meet this legitimate need. So they begin to choose uh, what they instruct them to do here is to choose. Originally, the first group of deacons were seven men. And here was their qualifications, who were full of the Spirit and wisdom. That's what verse 3 says right there in chapter 6. We, we, we just read it. Verse 3. Uh, brothers, this is the instruction from the 12. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Those are the two qualifications. And so they do. Now, please note... That when they choose these seven men, and their names are listed there in verse 5, starting with Stephen. And Stephen is the guy who's going to get killed in chapter 7. So, you know, he he becomes a very important person in, in the story here of Scripture. Uh, but if you notice the names, Stephen, I'm just going to read them again real quick. Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch. I want you to please note something. This is very important to note. Those are all Greek names. Now, why is that important to note? Who are the people doing the complaining? Look at your Bibles again. You're smart people. Look back up in verse 1. Who are the ones doing the complaining? The Jews from where? Greece. They're the Grecian Jews. So who gets to do the work if you complain? The Greeks. (laughs) My friends, that's been good advice for me in ministry. Let me tell you something. Because I have a lot of people making suggestions. Some of them good. Some of them not so good. But when they're good suggestions, you know what my answer is? Great. You get to do the work. Why? Well, because you, you brought out the idea, you know, and you're the one who's complaining about something. I didn't really want to do the work. I just want to tell you so you could do the work. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> the person who complains gets to do the work. I see it right here in the Bible. This is delicious because <laughs> it stops the complainers because everybody's got an idea like, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. Great. You want to fix it? Good. Do it. You you go to work and do it. And here are the Greek guys who get called to to work because the Grecian Jews are the ones complaining, all right? And so these guys get chosen here to do the work. Now, I want to make sure that you understand this, though. This is the original seven men selected for the original deacon ministry. But we see later in Scripture that it actually changes a little bit in that women get included, because in Romans chapter sixteen verse one, Paul commends a woman by the name of Phoebe, and he says she's been a great minister. And again, it's that word di- uh, diaconia, and it also translates servant because that's really what a minister is. A minister, you know. Sometimes we kind of really put you know pastors, ministers on on a on a you know platform. Please, please don't put put us on a pedestal, all right? Because it just makes us fall a lot further, all right. And so, you know, and people are like reverend. You know, reverend. There's nothing reverend about me, all right? If you know me, if you know, there's nothing reverend about me. So so here's the idea. It, sometimes we get confused that we think, you know, title means somebody special. No, it really, in its basic term... Diaconia just means we're servants minister just means a servant we're to be a servant And jesus modeled this didn't He? he said i came not to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many so you know in pastoral ministry if we really want to follow the ministry of jesus we should be the first ones to serve and to help and just assist but anyway so here's what happens so women get included because paul says about phoebe she was a great minister she was a great servant who attended to us in paul's own ministry and then we also see that the qualifications get jacked up from 2 to 12. No longer was it just full of the Spirit and wisdom. I want you to turn with me further in your New Testaments. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to see this because I want everybody to understand the role of deacons in the local church. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about our deacons here at Cornerstone so everybody understands what the ministry is about here as well. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3 just keep going to the right a little bit after 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You'll come to, to after Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. So 1st Timothy chapter 3. These are the 12 qualifications for being a deacon. Now some churches say, de- also related to the women, call them deaconesses. There's, there's no feminine word for deacon. So a deacon is just a man or a woman in the local church who's a layperson, who's just a lay person in the church who loves to serve other people. But they have to qualify. And here's the qualifications out of 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, and if you read the verses ahead of it that we didn't, it talks about elders, overseers. So that's a different group of people in the church. But now now Paul comes to the idea of deacons here in verse 8. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect— We'll get to the ladies in a second, but look at first for the men. Men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine. That's an interesting point, by the way, because when you compare in the Bible the qualifications for being an elder and the qualifications for being a deacon... Two offices that are mentioned in the Bible for the local church. Elders and deacons, the qualifications are almost identical with one exception. Elders are not to be given to any wine. The Greek word is paraonos. Para means near. oinos means wine. Elders, pastors are not to be given to any wine. Deacons, on the other hand, not to be given to much wine. (laughs) You could be two sheets to the wind, just not three. You know what I'm saying? Stagger a little, but just know that you're supposed to still do your job. But anyhow... So so that's really the only difference between elders and deacons is this in this area of wine. And it's, and it's just kind of funny to me because it's like, you know, deacons, don't indulge in too much. All right. If you're going to get a little, you know, smash, just not much. But anyway, and not pursuing dishonest gain. And they, there's a deacon right there. And they, <laughs> and they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith of the clear conscience. And they must first be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Okay, so it's a tall order, and then in the same way, they're wives. Now, these are women who would serve as deacons, because again, uh, literally, it, some of your uh, footnotes might say deaconesses, but it's referring to women who also serve as deacons, not necessarily the wives of the, of the male deacons, are to be women worthy of respect and not malicious talkers, <laughs> but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife. There was polygamy back in those days, so be be a man married to one woman, and must manage his children and his house and, and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, then so you can go back to Acts six now. So that's the qualification for being for being elders. Now, when our church uh, was about. I think I, our church size, when we were about 300 people, we were about three years old, we were about 300 people. And, um, and I remember feeling that sense of people are getting overlooked. Cause I, I'm only one person, I could only minister to so many people. And a general rule of thumb in ministry, a general rule of thumb is that you need one pastor for every 100 people. If you really want to effectively minister to a flock, a pastor of a, of a small church that has about 100 people, by the way, the average size church in America is 86 people. Okay, so one pastor can generally manage a flock if it has 100 people or, or under. Um, and I remember when our church got to be about 300 people, and I just began to feel like there's just no way I'm going to be able to meet the needs and, you know, attend to the, to the needs of people in our church. And I was actually reading through Acts chapter 6 and, um, and, and felt prompted by the Lord, it's time to start a deacon ministry. Uh, not, not to be part of the governing leadership of the church. That's never what deacons were supposed to be about. But lay people in our congregation... Who would serve and who meet the qualifications of First Timothy chapter three, but who would serve with just a genuine heart for people to to love on them, go to the hospital, help me make hospital visits, uh, go into their homes if they if they need to to, to minister to, to some serious situation, pray with people down at the altar. Um, you know, just be there, and be those lay people who will help serve. And so, you know, I remember choosing the original group of, of deacons that we had in the church, and one of the rules that I stipulated. Because you do see men and women who both serve as deacons in the New Testament. One of the rules I stipulated was that the men will only minister to men, and the women will only minister to women. And couples, if they're married couples together, then they will, marry, they will minister to married couples. But I, I wanted to be very sensitive to gender-specific ministries, okay? You know, no... no None of the mess that can be created when, when you try to do ministry, you know, to, to opposite genders. So men, you minister to men, women, you minister to women. And I have to tell you that the Lord has, has always been so gracious to raise up a great group of deacons in our church. And I, and I don't typically use the term deacons to describe them. In fact, when I first started the ministry, the deacon ministry, I called them and still call them to this day the care team. The care team. Because if you've come from a church where deacon means perhaps they run the church, uh, or deacons mean, di- that word deacon means different things to different people. So I, I have called our group the care team, but they are modeled after deacons in the Bible, and they follow the qualifications for deacons out of First Timothy chapter 3. These are some great folks who serve, and these are all volunteer folks. They're not, they're not paid staff here at the church at all. These are volunteer lay people in our congregation, they, they, uh, most of them, unless they're retired, most of them have uh, full-time jobs. And so they, they do the work of the ministry with the care team uh, when they can outside of their own regular working hours to help minister to the flock here at Cornerstone. And I just, I just I, I want to uh, uh, appreciate them and let you know who they are. And let's just take a minute to appreciate our care team. So we we try to, you know, here at Cornerstone, you know, I take seriously, what does the Bible teach us about the the early church and how can we follow the model of the early church? And this is one way by having some great people on our care team. Now, I want you to notice back here in Acts chapter 6, the result of delegating ministry. Okay, the result of delegating ministry. That's what the 12 did. They said, okay, wait, we got to focus on... The ministry of the word and prayer, which, by the way, is, is obviously my passion and make sure I keep that priority, which is why I'm so thankful for the other pastors and our care team members and our elders who help share the responsibility of ministry, because while I will still do those things from time to time, I will still make some hospital visits. I will still occasionally do a funeral here and there and do some of these things. I can't, I can't possibly minister. Look, Christmas Eve, we had over 7,000 people here. I can't possibly minister to the thousands of people here at Cornerstone, and and do and do ministry justice and also do the teaching justice. So I have to more and more as the, as the church grows. I have to just devote myself more and more to the Word and to prayer and to the teaching role because God has raised up some wonderful people here in the life of the church who share the ministry, uh, 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 you know, one to another. But I want you to notice from verse 7, here is the result of delegating ministry like this. Notice, the gospel spread, the church grew, and people got saved. And that's what it's all about. Look again, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The gospel, the good news, it spread because the 12 are devoting themselves to that part. And then it says the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So followers of Christ, the church is growing And a large number of priests become obedient to the faith, so people are getting saved. And not just any people, notice that, the priests. The Jewish priests are getting saved because they're hearing about Jesus and they're connecting the dots that he was, in fact, the perfect lamb that takes away the sins of the world. You have to imagine that the role of the priest was to help slaughter the animals, the sacrificial system, to atone for the sins of the people. And when the light bulb went off, they realized the one who died for our sins on the cross was the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. No longer do we need to sacrifice these animals because the blood of Jesus that was shed was good once and for all, for all time and for all people. And so it's a wonderful thing here to see these priests who are coming to the faith. So that's the result of delegating ministry. The gospel spread, the church grew, people got saved. It says here in verse 8, let's read on. Now Stephen... This is the same Stephen mentioned back up in verse 5, one of the first deacons. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Please note that, because I hear sometimes people say, oh, no, 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 only the miraculous stuff was reserved for the apostles. And when the apostles died, so did the miraculous stuff. Okay, I want you to notice Stephen is not an apostle. He's a deacon. He's just, you know, a layperson.
1: New Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. What you've heard today is just one message from a series going through the book of Acts. Pastor Gary has provided some insightful information about the early church, and you can't help but be inspired by what you read about as the Christian church was birthed. Who are the people you admire and look to as examples of courage and faith? Is it Peter or maybe James being the first martyr? How about Stephen and the example he set? Or perhaps you're a fan of Aquila and Priscilla, a great model of a couple who followed after Jesus. Then there's the all-famous Apostle Paul, who paved the way for much missionary work to the nations. All of these people were striving to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and we hope your heart is ignited to do the same. You can reach people too, near and far, in your neighborhood, online, and even those across the world. And if you feel the Lord leading you as He did Paul, you may even find yourself following the Lord to witness in another country. In the meantime, you're welcome to listen to more messages from this series in Acts. You can do so by going to cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're so glad you've tuned in today to Cornerstone Connection.
2: They say you're a wandering soul That you got no place to go But still you
1: know But still you know You're not alone